Hey everyone, welcome back to Beach Weekly, a podcast created and produced by Long Beach State's student-run newspaper, The Daily 49er. I'm your host, Luke Pajari. Check out our content at daily49er.com, where you can read campus and Long Beach-related news, sports, arts and life, opinions, as well as multimedia content, including more podcasts, videos, and photo galleries. Thanks to Long Beach Transit for sponsoring this episode of Beach Weekly. It might not be quite your turn to get the COVID-19 vaccine, but it is your turn to help a loved one signed up online. Because you're the tech genius of the family, Long Beach Transit has the resources to connect you with a vaccine plan. Visit ridelbt.com vaccine for more. This is your one and only podcast source for all things Long Beach State. Let's go ahead and dive right into this week's news roundup. Stay tuned afterwards for this week's story spotlight where I, along with Special Projects Editor Peter Villafagne, discuss stories for the Daily 49ers special issue covering Women's History Month. Long Beach State men's and women's basketball both played two games against UC Irvine on Friday and on Saturday. The women's team fell short on Friday, losing 70-79. However, on Saturday, the team finished strong with an 80-62 win. The men's team unfortunately lost both games, finishing with a close 68-71 score on Friday and a 58-73 score on Saturday. Long Beach State softball's season opener resulted in two losses and a doubleheader at University of San Diego on Thursday. This leaves the team searching for their first win in nearly a year. The first game ended in a score of 4-0, and the second game ended in a close 3-2 score. In an effort to promote the importance of college to communities of color, leaders from the California State University system presented in a virtual service across nearly 100 predominantly black churches statewide on Sunday, February 28th. The event, called Super Sunday, was created more than a decade ago. According to Long Beach State President Jane Close Connolly, it's become one of CSU's core initiatives for advancing access and success for students of color across its system. The Long Beach Museum of Latin American Art unveiled a new art exhibit titled I Am, New Afro-Latinx Narratives, which will be on display through April. The exhibit was created as part of the museum's 2021 Afro-Latinx Festival. The festival aims to have people learn more about the diversity of Afro-Latinx experiences directly from artists, scholars, and community organizers. The exhibit contains three art series, two pieces of video art, and four photographs along with interviews directly from the artists. A total of 40 Native American tribal groups, environmental groups, and social activist groups co-signed a letter to the California Board of Trustees and the Office of Governor Gavin Newsom calling for the protection of Pavungna. Little progress in the lawsuit has been made, however. Delays due to the court's closing in wake of the COVID-19 pandemic have held up the proceedings. The main focus of the tribes now is the establishment of a memorandum of understanding that would prohibit the university from making any further attempts to develop on or desecrate the land. Long Beach City Council unanimously voted Tuesday night to create a new Latinx cultural district. The district, El Mercado de Long Beach, will include a central establishment such as housing and social services for the Latinx community. Despite making up 42.6% of the population, there's no official commercial area dedicated to the Latinx community. The proposal will give small businesses and other essential establishments an opportunity to serve financially impacted areas.
To open up this week's story spotlight, here's a letter from Special Projects Assistant Editor Giselle Ormeno. The time is now to learn about contributions of women of color to society. In the fourth grade for Women's History Month, I had to choose from a list of women to dress up as and pretend to be for a day. I remember looking down at the list, reading name after name. All had the same theme. They were mostly white women. Betsy Ross, Amelia Earhart, Susan B. Anthony. And I wonder where my representation was and anybody who looked like me who did something significant. I remember expressing my concern that there were too many white women and I was uncomfortable that there wasn't enough representation of women of color. My teacher told me that I was wrong and that other women of color, there were other women of color, pointing at the only name on the list that wasn't a white woman, Rosa Parks. There were three black girls in my class and I remember all of them were Rosa Parks. As a Latina growing up, I had no exposure to other influential Latinx women in my education. At the same time, my black female friends were pigeonholed to have Rosa Parks as their representation. That's wrong. And it speaks of a deeper rooted issue at hand, having only one month to cover the contributions that extraordinary women have made to our society isn't enough. Not including in our classrooms extraordinary accomplishments of black indigenous people of color women have done for our society is damaging for self-esteem of young girls. Unfortunately, my fourth grade experience wasn't the last one I had, and it's the reason I am outspoken about the representation of all women across our education system. I had to take a Chicano studies class in college to learn about Dolores Huerta, and even then she was covered so little because she was overshadowed by her male counterparts that I had to do my own research to find out more about her. I don't want the next generation of black indigenous young girls to go through what I and others went through. Representation matters. Learning about black indigenous women of color during the month at an early age is vital to fostering young girls' confidence. I do believe things are changing, but for that same reason, we need to continue to push harder until the names and the stories of these women of color are widely known. It's time to shed light on these incredible women of color who have shaped our country and who are continuing to break down barriers. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Story Spotlight. Uh, today, I'm joined by Special Projects Editor Peter Villafanier, and today we're going to be discussing some stories from our special issue covering Women's History Month. So, um, Peter, what's uh, the overarching theme for uh, this special issue? So, the issue is coming out on International Women's Day and March is um, Women's Month. But the overarching theme we were going for is intersectional feminism and really, you know, the idea of all power to all women. So the movement has been historically very white and very cisgender. And so we kind of want to provide alternative narratives to what's been pushed for so long. That sounds great. You know, definitely opening the doors up to uh, more voices being heard. It makes um, the movement a much more, uh, much more inclusive and, you know, putting a new spin on it. And um, so what's um, the specifically the story uh, tackling uh, intersectional feminism? Um, do you want to share anything um, about that piece specifically? So that story is an opinion piece by our great opinions editor, Kelsey Brown. And it's just talking about how if you don't support all women 
how can you call yourself a feminist, right? And um, I contributed a little bit to the story as well, talking about trans women and how actively excluding people like trans women from feminism and from greater like social justice movements leads to violence against them and leads to, you know, further marginalization. And that's why, you know, this story was so important for me to have in there. Now, I want to dive into the history of International Women's Day. Um, how was that covered in this issue specifically? Do you want to give some background info? Since, you know, the Women's March doesn't happen this year, and um, so International Women's Day and the whole month has to look a lot different um, because of COVID. So we talked about how um, the International Women's Day organization is doing more of a virtual celebration. So it's talking about the theme of this year, which is Choose to Challenge, and that hashtag and what it means and how people can participate. That's awesome. Uh, how, what are some ways people can participate virtually? <laughs> it's basically, you know, posting using the hashtag and highlighting women in your life who you admire, maybe yourself, maybe your family members and, you know, people from history as well. And then relating to that story, we also have one about uh, the history of the waves of feminism since like the inception of the movement. So one piece that stuck out to me uh, specifically was um, the one written by Giselle titled Thank You Next about why she doesn't use dating apps. Um, how does how does that tie into this special issue? Um, uh, what's your take on this piece? I, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, actually. Um, so Giselle Armenio is my uh, special project assistant. And we were going through our story ideas for the issue and just writing descriptions for each one of them, you know, to get to get them ready to send out to reporters. And we were just thinking of more stories and she, outside of us talking about the issue, she was just telling me about how she doesn't use dating apps. Um, and we were like, oh, well, you know, you're a woman, like that works for the issue. Um, and that's very unique to your experience as a woman, um, you know, what you've, what you've had to deal with on dating apps. So that just ended up coming to fruition based on the conversation she and I had. And um, it wasn't until she wrote it, actually, where she was like, oh, I didn't realize I had so much to say about it. So it's a really interesting, um, interesting piece and to see her experience because, you know, dating apps are so ubiquitous now. And it's kind of like you kind of assume that if someone wants to date, they're on a dating app. Now, women in higher education, um, the piece on that I thought was particularly interesting because it um, re revealed to me um, about a lot of different biases across different um, fields of study and just um, how how much progress we still have yet to make um, in the workforce and in education as well. Um, do you wanna talk about that piece? Yeah, our writer, Bella Arnold, really worked hard on that one. She was able to speak to three students and one professor about their experiences in higher education. And yeah, like you said, um, it spans different experiences in a lot of fields. Um, but what you find is that the similarities with the experiences are, you know, the the shared instances of misogyny and the feeling you get in your field. And so that just ties into how important it is to get, you know, all perspectives. 
getting a broad perspective on an issue like that that's very applicable to um, the college experience is, is important. I'm sure it's uh, one that people gravitate towards when they when they look at this issue a lot. Do you want? Do you have any final thoughts on uh, this this special issue? Um, anything you want to say? Anything that you're particularly proud of? Yes. Um. <laughs> How convenient. Um, That's good. <laughs> well, one of the things I'm very proud of in this issue is, aside from like two sentences I wrote, all the stories are written by women. And so, you know, not only are we highlighting the folks who are quoted in the stories and whose opinions are in the stories, we're also highlighting the writers and the capability of, um, of the women on our team, you know? It's a little worrying because they might not need us. <laughs> Just you think they do, but um, yeah, no, I think we have a wider range of stories, and as always, there's something in there for everybody. And I think it also shows that there's no one way to be a feminist, and there's no one type of feminist. Well, Peter, thanks so much for talking to me about this issue. Great job, thanks for having me, of course. Well, uh, yeah, you take care, Peter, and uh, that concludes this week's story spotlight. Thanks for listening, guys. Here's a new tab to open up next to your 8am Zoom lecture, ridelbt.com slash vaccine. Discover resources you can use to help a not-so-tech-savvy loved one sign up for the COVID-19 vaccine when it's their turn. It's another way Long Beach Transit is moving you through. That's all for this week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beach Weekly. This is your host, Luke Pajari, signing off. Take care, guys. <laughs>